Three-time Wisconsin Sports Writer of the Year, Jason Wilby. I'm not in a mood for drama with my Jason. Why are you always trying to stir stuff up, Jason? Is on Rutledge and Hamilton. I don't know if I will go as far as you will. With Jim Rutledge and Matt Hamilton. <laughs> All right, boys. All right. Be good. <laughs> presented by Coors Light. Jason Wilde joining the show. I saw Jason at the uh, trio. He was part of doing our, our pregame stuff and had a chance to talk to Jason before the game. And uh, now we get a chance to talk to him a little bit after the game. And Jason, from my seats, there's a lot, a lot of blame uh, to go around. And I'm sorry, a good chunk of it still falls on Jordan Love. He's not a fully cooked turkey right now, but it's been it's a bad turkey so far. It is far from cooked. And so... I wanted to get your thoughts on the Packers' offense and love and, and kind of where where this all falls with him because there's no good answers. And I want to talk to you about the the Packers getting off schedule here with their quarterback, which could be happening, but I wanted to list, first get your thoughts on how much of the blame of this flat offense, this uh, impotent offense, bad offense, falls on, on Jordan Love as opposed to all the other pieces around him. Now, first of all, yeah. back up. Yeah. So tomorrow is Halloween. Yeah. And you went with a turkey analogy. Uh, I should have gone pumpkin. Fully tur- tur- turkey. Well, I'm just saying, like, you know, is it a rotten pumpkin? Is, okay. Is it a pumpkin that hasn't uh, hasn't ripened enough yet? Like, that's you know, fair. That's it, fair. Is it the popcorn ball of uh, trick or treat items? Is it the house that hands out pencils? Um, that's that's which fair. I always thought it was cool. To yeah. me, it kind of uh, to right. me it kind of seems like Jordan Love is getting all the way up to the door and then missing the doorbell to ask for trick or treat. Wow. Just overshooting See, it a little bit or undershooting it a little with. bit. Yeah. All righty, there yeah. you go. Or and then and then he's uh, he's got some teammates who uh, have it's it's one of those houses that has like the take two pieces only sign in the bowl because they're not home. And he's got a bunch of teammates who are taking all the candy before he gets there, and then that's spilling out the bottom of their bags. They can't hold on to it; they're dropping. It. <laughs> um, look, look, you're you're right, Jim, and and certainly no, certainly you know bad offense when you see it because you've watched it so much as a Bears yes. fan. But so. but the bottom line is is that you know I I don't think, and you you're actually the one who said this to me a couple weeks ago, and it it really resonated with me. Uh, and, and I don't want to misquote you, so correct me as I go through this, but you were, were in one of our conversations about Trubisky mm-hmm. and about how you know quarterbacks fail. And I, you said something to the effect of, it doesn't really matter why they fail, whether it's you know a bad offensive coordinator, a bad scheme, or not skilled guys around them, or their own inadequacy as a quarterback themselves. All that really matters is that they fail. Yeah. Now you've got to go get a new one. And, and in, in Love's case, and, and look, I, I understood the logic behind it at the time, but I also said at the time that if this is how you want to approach it, there's going to be some really difficult seas ahead for the uh, SS Lafleur, <laughs> And that was, we want all these guys to grow together. Yeah, well, if you're going to do that, then they're also going to experience growing pains together. Like, 
Jaden Reed, for example, is one of the guys that I think ha- has the makings of being a good player eventually. I feel the same about Dontavion Wicks, who had a crucial drop when they were trying to rally late. I feel the same about Luke Musgrave, who, if he can stay healthy, again, he, he's, he's got the dimensions and the athleticism to be a really, really good NFL tight end, but he's nowhere close to being that yet. But Jaden Reed, you know, first of all, he has the interception ripped out of his hands on a catch that he should hold on to. But also, LaFleur was given an example today about the, the mistakes that these guys make that even on an explosive play that he had on a route down the seam, well, he ran it wrong, and if he runs it correctly, it's probably a touchdown, but he ran it as if he was going against two high safeties and he was only going against one, and there's a different angle to take, and he screwed it up. And that's what young players do, and that's been my argument from the beginning is whether it's your evaluation for Jordan Love or it's your evaluation of Matt LaFleur and his offense being run the way it's supposed to be run as opposed to all the adjustments and all the things that Aaron Rodgers could do that mere mortals can't, or it's just winning damn football games. All those things are much harder to evaluate or accomplish when you have this huge of an experience discrepancy on the offensive side of the football. That's what they've chosen to do. And as Matt LaFleur said, I'm going to focus on the things that I have complete control over. That is our circumstance today. And that is what they are. They're a young team, and he can't do a darn thing about it. So he's got to figure out a way to make it work. And so far, he has failed to do that. I said that basically to kick off our show, Jason, that there's there's so many X factors on this team. And when I say X factors, I'm like, like an unknown, that it's hard to put your finger on what the issue is because – Jordan Love might look like he throws the wrong ball, but it's it's Romeo Dobbs who ran the wrong route. But it, it you know it's it's going to make Jordan Love look worse than Romeo Dobbs. It looks like Jordan Love missed the pass. So I I think you're spot on when you say that there's it's hard to tell. We don't know what, how to truly evaluate these guys right now because there's so many people that are making mistakes. Yeah, and and look, I would I I, I understand why he can't do it, but I would love for Brian Gutekunst to come out and say, hey, guys, look, uh, I did this on purpose. Like, don't get after LaFleur for this. I'm the one who decided to do this and rip the Band-Aid off with such a young group. And and I'm, I was prepared to go through this. I know we got some veteran players who don't want to be on a team that is that struggles as much as ours does. But I wanted to do this so in 24 and 25 we'd get all these growing pains out of the way this year, and they could really be good in the next couple of years. And that was my call. I decided to do that. I decided to not bring back Mercedes Lewis. I decided not to bring any veteran wide receivers of any sort onto this team. Uh, I don't need to evaluate Jordan based on this year. I want to really evaluate him next year. That's why we signed him to that kind of placeholder deal and didn't give him the fifth-year option, because I'm not sure about him, but I'm sure enough to know that I want to see two years of him and I want to see what he can do next year when all these guys have gotten a ton of experience. Like, he's never going to say that. But if he did, I think it would change the way at least some of us are viewing what they're going through. Because there are those that, you know, there's LaFleur has lost the team, and LaFleur's offense sucks, and they should make changes, which I'm not, you know, I was talking to a friend of mine today who was pretty plugged in, and I said, I don't think LaFleur is going to lose his job over this season. I don't think they're going to lose, like, they're not going to go 2-15. and 15. But I would say this. I think he's probably going to have to think seriously not only about 
changing defensive coordinators, which it feels like we haven't talked about in a while because they've been okay. But I think there's probably a chance he's got to think about seriously changing offensive coordinators next year. You know, it, it just seems like there's not, you know, the, maybe there were there have been guys, or maybe Nathaniel Hackett was that guy for Lafleur that in 20 and 21, those two were really vibing. And it just feels like whether it's the passing game coordinator slash wide receivers coach Jason Brable or it's Adam Stenovich or whoever it is, you know, it doesn't feel like Lafleur is, is surrounded by a group that's helping him pick up his own failings. I don't know if that's the case or not. That's just sort of the vibe I get. And Jason, as you say all this, it just now there's one part of this that LaFleur has the the wins. But again, they my expert expertise in back quarterback play. This also just feels like a team grasping at straws. And it doesn't going back to what I said, it doesn't matter how it felt. If Matt LaFleur gets fired, if somehow they win three games and he gets fired, Jordan Love's done in Green Bay. Like no coach is gonna come in and say, I want Jordan Love as my starter. And I don't know how attractive the job would be because if they let's say they have like the sixth pick and Jordan Love, they can't really go get a QB, a young one, and they're stuck with a QB who does not look like the next thing. So then you might not bring in a high-level coach, but even if you do, then he's not on the same clock as the GM, and the GM's not on that same clock as the quarterback, and now all of a sudden the clock is off, which goes back to like the floor's biggest advantage for Jordan Love was he had the same offense for three and a half, nearly four years now. And look down at Chicago. Yep. Every new quarterback comes in, and their coach is fired in year one, and they have to switch the offense in year two. And then they're trying to learn that offense. And now you have, for an example, Getzey trying to run an offense in Chicago that doesn't fit Fields, and Fields doesn't like Getzey because they don't. They, he's not invested in Fields, and Fields has invested in him, and the whole thing falls apart. And like that's where the cycle gets going. So whoever Packer fans want to blame, it still goes back to my original point. It's all bad. If the floor is bad, you're screwed. So, Jason, you said Goody yeah. can't say that. Why can't Goody do what I was always told? Honesty is the best policy. If he came out and said, hey, I said at the beginning of the year, I hedged that this was going to be a little bit of a rebuilding year. I feel like it would be somewhat well-received if he gave us an honest answer. Like, hey, we knew that this was going to be this way. This is how we're going to find out who's capable of doing it. At least I feel like a little bit of pressure would be taken off him because he was like yeah. recognizing it. What? How would it behoove him to to not basically say that this is a rebuilding year? Yeah, uh, because these guys are all varying degrees of egotistical mm. and arrogant and want to believe that no matter what, they can win games. And so I, I'm sure I was talking about this with Demofsky after we got done with Lafleur, I'm like, I'm convinced that uh, on each side of the of the building on the football operation, I'm sure Goody is sitting there going, "Man, I gave these guys all this talent. These coaches don't know what the hell to do with them. They're yeah, sure they're young, but they're super talented. We all know that. So why can't these guys do more with them?" And Lafleur's on the other side going, "Yeah, it's great that they're talented, but they're so inexperienced. They don't know what the hell they're doing. I can't believe Goody gave me all these young guys to work with offensively." And that's not a healthy environment. I, I, I firmly believe that both those guys are feeling that to some degree, whether it's enough that there's friction. I, I don't know about that. I, I haven't talked to either one of them about their relationship with the other. But, you know, to Jim's point about the kind of the quarterbacking biological clock, there is and, – and, look, I don't root for these guys. I don't root against these guys. But there is part of me that it would be really fascinated by 
these guys being bad enough that they're in the same situation the Bears were last year where, all right, do we stick with a guy that is already here who's a young quarterback and still going through the process of maturing and could turn out to be pretty good, we think, or do we start over with one of these top quarterbacks? Now, you know, they're going to have to lose basically their final 10 games and finish 2-15, and 15, I think, to be in that position. But what that would do is it would force Goody to be in the position of very, very publicly, not with his words, but with his actions, to admit he shouldn't have drafted Jordan Love, right? Mm-hmm. And, and, and then when you think back further and realize, okay, you did this in 2020 when your team was coming off of an NFC championship game appearance, unexpected one at that with a first-year head coach. You pissed off however you want to feel about Aaron Rodgers is fine. He certainly is not uh, perfect by any means. But you pissed the guy off. Now, you could argue that he also lit a fire under him, and he played better in 21 and 22, and maybe he wouldn't have played as well had they not lit that fire. But you, you basically burn the house down by drafting this guy, and then for him to turn out to be not good enough to be the guy, and you have to publicly admit that by drafting another quarterback in the first round next year, I'm sorry, that feels to me that going back to being an ego-driven league, that sounds like an awfully hard pill for a general manager who put his reputation and his legacy on the line by picking Jordan Love for him to actually admit so publicly that he was wrong. So I, I don't know. It doesn't matter what I'm rooting for because whatever will be will be. But I, I still, if this really blows up to the point where they decide that Jordan Love ain't the guy and that they know that conclusively. And they did all this for a guy who turned out by their own admission to not be good enough. Boy, I don't like the end of that story whatsoever. Yeah, Jason, and we can, I know you got a hard out here, so let you go because there's so much more to unpack with that. Matt was getting itchy. Uh, I was, I was. Yeah, but we'll I'll just text you. Uh, yeah, we'll text you then. <laughs> we'll, we'll share it off the air. We'll we'll, uh, we'll quote you on the air. Jason, thanks so much for making time for us. All right, fellas, take care. Be good. That's Jason Wildy. Listen back, Wisconsin on the Man, Apple, Spotify, and those great places. Brought to you by our good friends at Revive Restoration. This is Rutledge and Hamilton, presented by Coors Light. You're listening to Rutledge and Hamilton, presented by Coors Light. Miss any of the show? Find full show podcasts free on Wisconsin On Demand and wherever you get your podcasts.